What's up, Conroe? Welcome to a Thursday edition of Nerd Thug Radio right here on 104.5, 106.1, the sister stations, streaming worldwide at IRLoneStar.com. As always, you can check out Facebook.com backslash Nerd Thug Radio and uh, hang out with us because that's where all of the magic happens. Um, as always, this is Corey DLG and with me as usual is little brother Nico and we're hey, nice here. Look, I'll introduce you, and then you come in, okay? Okay. You did. Okay. I was there. How are you today? I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. It's been real. All right, show's over. Um, credit roll. What does the Simpsons cop say? Nothing to see here. Move along. Move along. Um. Yeah, man, it's been a uh, been a lot going on this week. We got a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes. Still, kind of getting everything taken care of for the new show, and I hope everyone's had a chance to check it out or at least check out the podcast. Um, it's been it's been a lot of fun, and we're getting we're gearing up and getting things going. It's uh, it's an exciting time to be a nerd thug, and I hope you guys are excited to take the journey with us. Um, it's basically two o'clock on Thursday, though, and that means it's time to talk a little sports. Um, the Bucks have tied up the series with the Suns. It's now 2-2 in the NBA Finals. Uh, I'm excited. I'm glad it's a series. I was a little worried that the Bucks were just going to get rolled over in this because the Suns just kind of have felt like the much better team. Um, but now it's 2-2 and anything can happen. Game five is a, usually a pretty big storyteller for who's going to win a series. So that's... I think it's something in the neighborhood of like north of mid 70% game five winner wins uh, a series. So pretty good betting odds. Yeah. If, if the Suns win game five, they'll be up three, two with two games to go. Generally speaking, whoever wins game five, the odds are in their favor that they win the series. So that's exciting stuff. Ever in the favor of winner of game five. That's right. So what an odd thing. This will be the yeah, I know. This will be the kind of it doesn't decide it. Listen, anyone can win two in a row. But this will be a, a good indicator of what direction it goes. The Suns having just lost two in a row, but having won two in a row to start it, like it's a weird basketball is very much a thing of back and forth, and something that could work game one doesn't work game two, and for whatever like the Suns played much better games one and two than they did three and four. And the Bucks defense was bad games one and two, but they played much better defense three and four. So then you think, oh, okay, well, obviously they're going to keep playing great defense. For whatever reason, that's not how basketball works. So <laughs> Just when you think you've got it down, you don't got it down, and now you're down by 40 and the game's over. <laughs> well, there's, there's a lot of interesting things that happen in a basketball game. Traveling, for whatever reason, not necessarily your top-tier players, but your second tier and for sure your your back half of the rotations traveling and playing at the visitors basketball court just does something to them suddenly everything is different and they and they play like it they play like they're not the same person um you, a lot most players in a playoff situation uh they are statistically better at home than away even even your stars However, your stars will sometimes have those big games, even away games, but they'll be big, and it tends to average everything out. Your, your quote-unquote worst players don't have those big games to average everything out, and their away game numbers show it. 
so funny. Like it's, it's, it's basketball, I think, is like almost that perfect medium of like large number sports, like law of large number sports, because like baseball doesn't matter. Like baseball, every baseball, law, every baseball yeah. team is only okay because like you're amazing if you win barely ha- above half of your games. They're like, wow, fifty-two percent win rate—that's crazy, right? And and you're you're right, like because there's 162 games. When somebody finishes at 90 wins or 91 wins, it's a big deal. When really that means they're what eight, nine wins over 500. Like that's <laughs> not that's not a big number. They're they're sitting here right at you know, like like they're going large large theory of probability here. Well, if you get into a game, you have a 50-50 chance of winning and losing because there's two teams. It's like you're telling me none of it matters, and there's only a 50% chance I'm going to win no matter what I do because there's two teams. <laughs> Yeah, and then like, and they're like, this team is particularly good because they won fifty three percent of their games. Well, and it's like the all time records and stuff for wins is like I think it's one hundred three or one hundred seven now. Like, it's yeah. not much past the mid the middle is eighty two or eighty one. So like, <laughs> they didn't they didn't do a <laughs> they, ton more. They than won that. they won twenty more games, and it was that was it, boys. That was right. amazing. <laughs> they still lost sixty plus games, so it's yeah. just. There's no other sport where you can lose almost half your games and be like, dang, that was a record year. <laughs> <laughs> That's no, you're right. And so baseball baseball becomes strictly about the law of large numbers. Like player decline is it takes a long time to measure and all those things because they have to play the whole season. Yeah. And they have like they have like stats on everything, even like the really dumb ones. Like my favorite ones are the ones that are like effectively impossible, but through technicality have happened because baseball like this is the a home run scored on three strikes because they they gave oh. the, the batter another run because they thought it was funny, the inside the parks or whatever. Yeah, or they take or they steal first base. I don't understand how you can steal first base on three strikes. I don't understand how that happens, but yeah, you can't. Like, like really dumb, like really dumb things. And and um, I I what I think is interesting about baseball is there is so much data that they can track like situational things, uh, like against left-handed pitchers uh after fifth inning with runners in scoring position this guy this guy bats 700 and you're like okay but how many times could he possibly have been in that exact situation like right yeah and then you look at his career and you're like oh apparently a lot <laughs> yeah apparently like 15 times like geez okay like he's probably gonna hit it here <laughs> it's just baseball is weird about it in basketball there's just enough games 82 games total is just enough to kind of give you sort of a feel of large numbers but also to really see to me i think more than anything basketball is the game that shows you how important the little stuff is like football does too in a different way yeah but football is such an event i feel like Right. Basketball, to me, what's really interesting is is the better a player is, the more impact he can have on the court and also in the organization. But also, more impressively, like, the Suns have be- are becoming known now. Like, people are starting to realize that they've really developed their young talent over these last couple of years. They're getting credit now that DeAndre Booker and, uh, and Aiton are both potential all-stars and that they're playing in their first finals and that this team was, like, the laughingstock franchise this year and is in the finals uh and now they're getting credit for the fact that you know 
uh, their their seventh and eighth guys in the rotation are, are, you know, Phoenix players, players that have been developed by the Phoenix Suns. And they're like, man, these guys really understand player development. And and it's like, well, you weren't saying that like a year ago, but now it's 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 clearly obvious because everything has come together for them. Right, yeah. And I feel like basketball has that almost perfect medium of like all-stars and also like the people who make the, the game function, right? Like, yes, your all-stars right. are important to your team, but they literally can't carry the team the entire time. Right, the but, New Jersey Nets are the perfect example of that. They had they had four of the highest paid players um they had five of probably the top 40 to 80 players and then when you look at the rest of their they, they still didn't even make it to the finals yeah like you can have these completely stacked rosters but also you get like corner cases of like absolutely insane players like Liberton Liberton James, but even then, even he couldn't make it to the finals by himself. Like he needed help. Right. Well, it, what what was more interesting about him was it was such a case study of Cleveland was so poorly managed and run, and he was so clearly him and his internal team were were running so well that it was obvious he was going to leave Cleveland. Sad. Like the first, the first, his first run with Cleveland, they they just do stupid thing after stupid thing after stupid thing, to the point where the team has no hope. Um, I believe I've told the story before of them letting Carlos Boozer go, um, because his agent had convinced him that he had outplayed his contract, and his agent promised that he would re-sign with them, and then the Utah Jazz came in and made a monster offer to him. And there went the only help that LeBron James had that year. And I bought the Utah Jazz. <laughs> don't 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 quote your dumb show to me. <laughs> I didn't buy your organization, so I bought the Utah Jazz. But I mean, it's funny because uh, he says in the show, and they're probably getting better. Uh, and they did. That was they, they saw did. the future. That's true. Utah um, Jazz is a joke, and then no longer. Now they're actually pretty okay. But I mean, if you're if you're LeBron James on the Cleveland Cavaliers and Carlos Boozer's your help, and they, somehow, yeah. they they sign him away, and then you're like, well, they, that was all right, thanks guys. They release him from a cheap value contract, and the Utah Jazz give him just buku bucks to leave. I think it was like six years, 120 million. Yeah, he's he's not coming back, boys. No, no. And LeBron's like, what just happened? Did you guys just get rid of the other guy on the team? Like, what? And so, yeah, I don't. I mean, what are they? What are they supposed to do? What, what are you supposed to do in those instances? Um, Leave, even though the entire Cleveland economy is entirely based on LeBron James's existence. You absolutely leave. But I also think it's interesting. Like in the NBA, there is a lot of top tier wealth, and then guys who are barely making it because listen the nba rosters are 12 men each okay every mm. team has to have 12 guys that they dress uh you usually will have 14 or 15 i think actually i think the roster minimum now is 15 um so you have to have to have, have to have 15 guys on contract well after you give 90 million dollars to three players or five players whatever it is for your particular team you know the salary cap is only 125 or 135 
you can go over it and, and get into the soft cap, get into luxury tax, and get into those other things. But you're paying a lot of extra, extra money to the league back if you do that. And if your team is not any good, there's no reason to. So you get a bunch of guys who are playing on like rookie deals and minimums and mid-level exceptions and the veteran exception and things like that. But you know they're never going to be worth thirty million dollars a season. Um, but it's interesting to see how you have to fill off that roster with those guys and then still yeah. expect to win and play. Plus, the trades in, in basketball are hilarious to me. Like the Tetris levels of like I love it. Getting <laughs> dollar amounts is like the funniest thing ever. You gotta. There's like multi-team trades. You're like, I'll give you this guy plus this money. You take him, and then he'll grab that from you, and then trade me this, and then right. bam. Just like that, we've created a deal just because I wanted this one guy on my team, and then he's going to injure his Achilles, and my team's going to fall apart. <laughs> <laughs> the NBA rules are so specific towards the cap that it is essentially – they now call it the hardest league to make trades in, but it, it it is, but it also isn't because every team in the league is willing to change things. Like every team in the league is willing to get in on a trade. Oh, you're going to move some people around. Do you need, do you need some of my cap space? Okay. Well, if you give me a second round to pick, I'll, uh, I'll take on one of the contracts. Like every team in the league is willing to do a trade. So while yeah. they also, they also make like the most rules to stop teams from destroying themselves because do that all the time yeah we have talked about that a lot on here that they and they have to make those rules because otherwise teams like the knicks uh well for for, for a little while there everyone was complaining how the rockets draft cupboard was empty because we had traded for westbrook and then we traded for chris paul and we did draft picks both times blah 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 and now uh or we traded for chris paul and then we traded for rest westbrook and everyone was like oh man you know what are you gonna how are you gonna get your stuff back and then Westbrook to the Wizards got us some picks back, and then you know, now we don't look so bad. Um, but, yeah. I, for a minute there, we were like, yep. Yeah, for a little while there, the, the conversation was kind of like, oh, you guys have, you know, no future. We, we did we did, we did, did make, I think, the didn't we make, like, a maximum offer of, like, picks to trade at one point for someone? Yes, we offered. Like, Six first-rounders or something like that over the next 10 years? It was access to the next eight picks. Four picks straight up every other – because the rule of the NBA is you can't give away back-to-back first-round picks. You have to make a choice every other year at least. So what what we offered, what what other teams do is they also do swaps. So we offered our four picks straight up. And then for the the off years, for the every other year, we offered to swap with that team our pick for their pick. Whichever was better, they could have. Whichever was worse, we would have. So we offered them access to eight picks. Um, and I don't remember who that was for. Was that for Paul George? It was. It was someone. It might have been no, because we didn't. It was someone we didn't get because they declined the offer. But I don't remember who it was. I, I just honestly, like, uh, it was the most like I'll give you the future, and it's yeah, like here's, here's everything. But in that exact instance, doing that particular trade, as dumb as it would have been, um, if we had done that, we, we weren't giving up any players. So we were literally adding him to our roster. And whoever it was, I want to say it was Paul George, and I'm not a Paul George guy. But if you add Paul George without giving anything up, 
ideally that's a pretty good tr- like roster wise because now you're like oh this team was already a, a playoff team maybe a finals team and we added our third star like in that instance oh it was Jimmy Butler there you go when Jimmy Butler was in the middle of this sign and trade shenanigans before he wound up at Miami um, we were like we'll definitely take Jimmy Butler uh, that would we'll give awesome. you they put they put the briefcase on the table they open it up and then they're like our future and it's just like a piece of paper that's like <laughs> eight picks brother <laughs> everything and that is literally the max you can offer as far as draft picks go in a trade without getting into the second rounders and all that and a lot of people a lot of people throw in second rounders in trades knowing they'll never have to give them up because they put so many conditions on them <laughs> they're uh, like well actually if this player doesn't get injured across the year the stars align and it's the third lunar cycle you can have it <laughs> Well, so like, I mean, genuinely, they'll put a they'll put a second rounder in a trade, and it'll have like, um, it'll be a swap for the first three seasons based on who has a better record or worse record, and then on the third year, if we haven't swapped yet, you can have it. But if you take it, you have to pay a cash penalty to us of half a million dollars. So, so like, you'll do a trade with the team, and they'll be like the fourth party in the team. And all they took on was a, a contract and this hypothetical second rounder. And it, it never swaps for three years. And then you get into the fourth year when it either has to swap or pay off. And the Rockets, let's say, were qualified for the swap, but they don't want the pick because they have too many roster spots filled. They don't want to pay the half a million dollars to not, not draft the player. It's, so the like the pick- it's like the worst design thing ever. Right, so like the pick never actually moves, but it has to go through all of that time being held by the Rockets. So like you can't trade, and so then what happens is let's say, let's say it's a swap second rounder uh, being held for like three years in that kind of regard. Let's say that's the scenario we're talking about. Well, if they wanted to do another trade for the second rounder, it would have to be the following second rounder post all of this. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So like, okay, the 2012 first rounder is supposed to go to the Rockets. And then in a separate deal, the same off season, they guarantee another second rounder to someone else. Well, it winds up being the 2013 second rounder, except the swap doesn't pass the first year. So then they can offer it to the other team. The other team also is waiting on a swap though. And the swap, let's say the team that gave up both second rounders is the worst team. So they would qualify for the other team's picks instead of the other way. Mm-hmm. So, because instead they would be getting better position instead of giving up position, the swaps declined over and over and over again. Oh my god! So by 2019, right? The swap so finally finishes. It'll be like it'll be like a, I think it's a three year cycle on second rounders or something like that. But they have to they have to either validate or invalidate that part of the trade within three seasons. So stupid. So the second round there's like a there's a website I found one time that tracks the status of draft picks in trades. Um, where it's like this first rounder has been traded five times, blah blah blah. Uh, and as a matter of fact, that actually happened. Cleveland wound up with the Nets first round pick, but like Boston had it for a while, and it was the one that was like really important. It was going to be really a good pick, and Boston was holding it forever, and then they traded it to Cleveland in the Kyrie Irving, uh, Isaiah Thomas deal. And that pick had been on the books for like four years at that point, um, that it was coming 
that it was going to come up like it was the most far out of those picks and it was going to be the one of the most value. Crazy to think, right? It's still like, like even in articles they would talk about it, they'd be like the Nets pick of 2015. Like, <laughs> like, like it was this thing almost like a roster spot because it was going to cash in and it was going to be a high value pick, et cetera, et cetera. It sounds like someone hyping up a product they've never even seen before. So many draft picks are that. They're well, like, just think about the you gotta, you gotta see it, dude. It's gonna be huge. This game's gonna be so valuable. Just well, think about it. And then, like, the draft like comes out, and it's like it's all terrible, and it's like, oh man. <laughs> well, think about this. So Boston, at one point, bro, draft picks are just as seen on TV products. <laughs> at one point, Boston was sitting on like six draft picks over the next three years. And, and people kept talking about how they kept kind of rolling them back. Like, they would come up to their draft spot. Like, let's say they had two in, or three in that draft, and they were picking, like, 10th, 15th, and 20th. At the 10th spot, there wasn't anybody they loved, and somebody offered them a player they could use right now for the 10th pick. So they would, give, they would get the player, and they would get a first-rounder, like, three years down the road. So they would keep kind of rolling their future back, like these picks, right? Mm-hmm. And people were talking about how, like, they had this stockpile of picks that they kept just – curating and they never were using them well then they came into one draft where miami picked justice winslow a point guard and i think they picked him like top five and he was one of the most highly regarded point guards in the draft kind of out of nowhere he wasn't like a known 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 name in college but coming after the combines and after the workouts and the way he kind of carried himself on the court there were like 10 franchises who were like justice winslow is a stud and boston offered apparently at one point like five first round draft picks between all of their <laughs> everything that they had in their Jesus. little basket. And Miami was like, nah, we're just gonna take them. Like it's like we're just better off taking them. Well it, it fast forward three years that Justice Winslow has not really broken out into this guy that everyone thinks. I think he's even been traded twice now. But at the time when that leaked, everyone started going, I don't know if Boston really knows what they're gonna do with these picks. Like what would it have done to Justice Winslow if it came out that Boston traded five picks to draft him? I just think they got indecisive. <laughs> well, they did. Like, that's the problem, right? Like, all of a sudden you have all these picks and you don't know where to go or what to do with them. And everyone's like, yo, this guy's pretty good. And then they were like, oh, I'll give you five picks for him. <laughs> yeah, oh, if he's really good, then we should get him. We like really good players. And they developed this really good run of good young talent, but they're not good enough to win the finals. And partly because these guys haven't developed yet. They're all two and thir- three, uh, three-year players. Like, they need to play more together. But they've got these picks and all these young players. And, like, they're a franchise kind of poised to take what sports writers call, like, the next step. Which would be like, oh, Kevin Durant and Steph Curry want to play together on the team again. Boston has picks and young players to make these things happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, like they're in a spot where they could pick up two great players and, and build a new super team right there on the fly in one offseason. Yeah. Is how everyone else writes the story. Instead of just being like, why don't we use these six picks and these young players that are great and just play through together? Yeah, do what the do what the Astros did, play the long game and then be right. awesome, like be an awesome organization for like five years. Or the Jazz or the Suns. Or I mean, like, if you look at it right now, the Suns are kind of proving also the Bucks. The Bucks are, are a fairly homegrown team. They have built around Giannis Antetokounmpo this whole way through. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you look at it, none of the none of the quote unquote like big superstar teams even made it. No, they didn't. And and CP3 is the biggest traded player playing on any of these teams, and he's a guy that a lot of people probably wouldn't want in a trade offer 
not before this finals. If if the Suns had traded for him and then at the deadline in December shopped him, probably half the teams in the league wouldn't have taken a call on him because he's forty three and whatever, whatever. Not thirty seven. I'm I'm making up forty three, but he's, he's old. years old. He's he's one hundred and ten. He's played on ten teams at this point. Like he's been traded three times in three years. So, but he specifically wanted to go to the Suns, and he has grown that team around him and around these young guys, and it's paying off. And if somebody can make a move like that and it works, then it's totally worth it. But I do think guys like Boston, where they get all these picks built up, they have no idea what to do with them. <laughs> they're just like, they're like, oh, man, man if, I just, I if I just pick a bunch of bad people, this is going to look really bad on my resume. Like, I just... Like, yeah, it kind just of admit you mind. can't draft. <laughs> like, you're better off just throwing darts at a board, my guy. Kind of. Yeah, they kind of are. You know, like if they don't know what they're doing, and, and, and when ball when it came out that Boston made that trade offer, it sort of felt like maybe they don't know what they're doing. They're like, dang, this is really smart. They're really playing the long game here. <laughs> well, yeah, because they kept they kept coming up in the draft and just going, well, we're not in a spot where we love a guy and we have to have him, so we'll take a player we know and we like, and we'll take a future pick. And so they really looked like they were kind of like, oh, dang. It's like, oh, dang, they're really smart, but they're just really indecisive. They're just like, uh. they, were, they were just buying time until they had to cash out. Like, that's all they were doing was buying time. Yeah. And so they're like, hey, this guy's pretty good. Like, I'll give him five picks. It's like, Dude, are you? No, yeah. but okay. <laughs> yeah, they were like, literally, Miami was like, yeah, we're just gonna take it. Like it's fine. My well, honestly, at this point, it looks like Miami was the dumb ones because they missed out on five potential picks. Well, they're both dumb, right? Like at this point in time, they're both like Miami definitely could have done with the five picks. That would have helped out a lot. But also on the flip side, I mean, if Boston gives up five picks to get them, there's not a tighter microscope on the planet than this guy being a Boston Celtic for the next four years. And like, when is Justice Winslow gonna come out? Like, when does he become the star? Yeah, you're like, this guy was worth four draft picks. Right. Five, it's a, my bad. I can't even do math. It's a lose, 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 no matter what. So I think, I, I mean, yeah, Miami probably, he probably wasn't worth not. Like, they probably should have taken the picks. But taking the picks would have just ruined the kid anyway. Like, <laughs> Yeah, because it's like. He's like, he's like, hey, I heard you did pretty good at the at the at the at the workouts, man. He's like, he's like, yeah, I know. And then they're like, you got a deal, you got an offer for five first rounders. And he's good like, news. oh, oh god, you're going, to, you're going to Boston. Oh, okay, yeah, Boston's pretty competitive. All right, that's a good team. Yeah, they give up five first round picks to get you. Oh no, that's not, that's not good. <laughs> oh no, he's got that's sports all- writers down his throat for the next two years. Yeah, because there's almost, how much of a failure he is. <laughs> there's almost nothing he's gonna do short of winning rookie of the year and like leading the sophomore team at the all star game where he's gonna be able to be like, I'm a good player, I promise. It's like, and there he goes, the perfectly average worth five guys. That's almost like you know what I would do if I would if I'd have been Boston in that situation with all those picks, I would have just kept trying to trade into like the top five or top 10 every year with a couple of the picks and then just taking a guy somewhere in there and then just had like four really good dynamic young players and just rolled the dice. I either know what I'm doing or I don't, but this is as good as it gets. I'm trying to build the best, the strongest, 
Well, that's that's basically Team out of randoms. That's basically what Seattle slash Oklahoma City did with the Seattle SuperSonics. They had they traded Seattle Richard Lewis, Sonics more like Ray and Ray Allen. They traded Richard Lewis and Ray Allen, and between those two trades and some other stuff, they wound up with I think it was like eight or nine first round picks over the next four drafts, and the. The first draft was Kevin Durant, and the second draft was Russell Westbrook and James Harden. Good Lord. Right. So, and then I think Sam Adams and one other guy come out of all those draft picks too. Like, I mean, they wound up getting great players. Now, granted, they were still moving to Oklahoma City. They were going to suck for the next two or three years. (laughs) Like, it was going to be a rough trend. You know, 17-year-old Kevin Durant or 19-year-old Kevin Durant is not – 22 year old 25 year old Kevin Durant but it was still like even very early on you could see like wow they really put something together pretty quick there Boston could have done the same thing instead they just I don't know this year they didn't even make the playoffs (laughs) just just the absolute just not just not a single like shred of confidence in any of their decision making there Exactly. Like you really just have to, you're either, you got to have a plan. You're either in or you're out. And what Oklahoma yeah. city was doing was they were Russell. Uh, Kevin Durant was the number one overall pick. Russell Westbrook, I think was the number two overall pick. James Harden was the sixth overall pick. So what they were doing was they were just getting into the top five, top 10 and just taking the best guys they could get a hold of. That's what you need. That's if you're Boston and you've got six or seven draft picks, that's what you need to be eyeing. And instead what they did they were listen every year. They would take another young guy, and they were good quality players. But they that can only take you so far without trying to get to that you know upper echelon. Exactly, exactly, and that's sort of been the problem. Between ten and twenty, you're less likely to get those star guys. Right. Oh man, I have nine mid tier picks. Let's <laughs> go, baby. Right. Okay. Well, you're gonna gonna be a mid tier team. Right, uh, law of average the heck out of this whole league. <laughs> All right, we're gonna jump out to a break. When we come back, we got a little bit more nerd like radio coming your way. The adventure begins. Comics, games, and more is a wonderful store located right there on fourteen eighty eight in Conroe that sells comic books, gaming cards, gaming accessories, board games, as well as all kinds of fun nerd assorted accessories this is Corey dlg of nerd thug radio just reminding you that if you're interested and if you're bored if you got some free time if you wanted to go hang out at an interesting or fun place the adventure begins should be an option you consider everything from dnd adventures league to miniature painting uh to even competitive card play and even competitive gaming events all those things occur at the adventure begins comics games and more Interested parties should absolutely check out the Facebook page for more information. This is Rudy Tomjanovich, and welcome to Nerd Thug Radio. Welcome back to to Nerd Thug Radio on 104.5-106.1. These sister stations. I, I I couldn't remember my numbers there. 104.5 and 106.1. Yeah, that's right. There you go. There it is. He lives. 
And uh, yeah, that's Cor- that's Neek, little brother Nico, and I'm Corey DLG. You all right there, Chief? Um, I smell burnt popcorn. Is that good? <laughs> I, I think it's toast. Are you sure it's are you sure it's a stroke? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Brain's like melting out of your head here. What's happening here? <laughs> Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Fuzzy Bear, the best bear. I like him. And now I'm special. Um, <laughs> before we get any dumber, uh, Nico, tell everybody about our friends, The Adventure Begins, Comics, Games, and more. The Adventure Begins, Comics, Games, and more is open and at full operating hours. You don't need a mask if you want to come inside, although if you want to wear one, feel free. It is a free country. Uh classic line uh but if you want to be a bit more safe there are delivery and curbside options available they do have events uh rolling up here third oh no this is wednesday event but this is a new event so i'm gonna go ahead and say it so next wednesday uh is the weekly fresh fresh flesh and blood trading card game casual meetup is that new that new fancy card game everyone's been mumbling about Oh, it's, it's been out for like two years, but it's like it oh. hit it big during the uh, pandemic. Like prices went absolutely crazy. It's really small. I think they're based out of like New Zealand or something like that. Oh, so they're not like a big game. Well, I mean, they're they're a big game, but like they're a small company making a bigger game. <laughs> it's okay. kind of weird. All right, all right. So Wednesdays, you can go out there and play that casual style. Wednesday, but Thursday this week. Today, today, 6 p.m. is the weekly modern meetup for Magic the Gathering. Friday, July 16th at 6 p.m. is the Star Wars X-Wing casual meetup. Saturday the 17th at 2 p.m. is the Pokemon meetup. And at 6 p.m. is Hammer Time. Also at 6 p.m. on Saturday is uh, the weekly Commander meetup for Magic the Gathering. So they got all kinds of events going down right there at the Adventure Begins. Comics games and more. Fantastic staff. Wonderful location. Wonderful store. All your nerd needs there. Your comic books, your board games, your card games. Right there. The adventure begins. Comics games and more. All right. Uh, great place to go. Get your comic books. Get everything and hang out. Great people. Uh, Jarek, Chaz, uh, Jason Rue works there now. He does uh, miniatures and he knows a lot about gaming. The, they got a sports card guy. I mean... If you are into collectibles and nerdness, that's where you need to go and kind of get into it. Um, I won't name who, but a but a, a local competitor, a friend of mine, mentioned that like he has a hard time keeping up with the adventure begins, comics, games, and more. So this is definitely where you want to go. It's a, it's a great store, great place. Uh, all right, so there's a couple interesting things we could talk about here. Uh, I rewatched Entourage. Over the last couple of weeks. What's that? It was a show on HBO. Mark Wahlberg and his buddies pitched it where the core concept is when Mark Wahlberg came to Hollywood, his older brother Donnie had been new kid on the block, right? And Mark Wahlberg had been Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Uh, Donnie, though, was out in Hollywood trying to get acting jobs. and He had a little bit of money and it just never worked out. Mark came and basically lived on Donnie's couch. With, uh, him and a buddy came out there together. And Mark Wahlberg hit it big. And basically, the uh, nice way, and, 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 and loved doing it, but basically kind of carried the family. His stardom kind of supported the whole family. 
so the show follows uh it does an interesting thing it follows um fictional movie star vincent chase his older brother johnny drama johnny chase uh is a real actor kevin ferrera i believe is his name and they basically took he had this really long career and then he disappeared in the 90s like kind of just he couldn't land gigs after that they took his long career where he starred in just like hundreds of guest spots and did all these other shows and they used his real career to be the brother. Like, so like in the show, he'd be like, I did a guest spot on law and order one time. I played a drug, I played a drug addict. And if you look back, there is an episode where the actual actor played it. So like, it's kind of funny that way. Uh, but Vinny chase his best buddy turtle and his lifelong best friend, uh, Eric Murphy, they all come out to LA together and they basically like conquer the town. Um, it's a great show. Um, it really kind of shows you what an agent does and a manager does. Cause Ari gold is his agent. Uh, and Eric Murphy becomes his buddy becomes his manager. Uh, and also they just kind of go through just like the shenanigans of Hollywood everywhere, everywhere they go. Vince, uh, Vince chase, he's just incredibly handsome, successful movie star. So like, the waitress will just be like, oh, what are you doing later, Vince? Do you want to hang out? And then the next scene, like, he's he's with the waitress. Like, just women just fall over themselves for them. Uh, and that that probably really happens a lot. Um, I mean, Marky Mark was an underwear model. I mean, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure a lot of that is based on reality in that instance where, you know, Marky Mark minding his own business. Somebody would just show up and be like, hi. You ever seen his workout video from when he was, like, young? Not young. I watched something. He did a he did like a, an eight part series on HBO actually, where they're like they're following him now. He gets up at three uh-huh. thirty in the morning to do his workouts. No, I'm talking about young Mark Wahlberg, like jacked underwear Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> oh no, I'm sure it's I'm sure. It's oh yeah, it's then. like it's like the it's like the most like f boy like <laughs> like. He walks around with like super saggy pants. Oh yeah, nothing's changed, bro. Yeah. Marky Mark is still the f boy of your dreams. <laughs> so now he's like fifty year old and like a dad, <laughs> fifty year old dad and like a he's work he's rapidly becoming a billionaire. Remember, he's got the restaurant chain. There's over a hundred Wahlburgers around the country now. That's a lot of Wahlburgers. That is. So anyway, um, it's just loosely based on that. But there were some interesting things in the show. One of which is that there's like, okay, you know how people rewatch shows like, well, this would never work now. Yeah. For one thing, because it's based in Hollywood, Harvey Weinstein appears in like four episodes throughout the five seasons, six seasons. That one didn't age quite so well. No, definitely didn't. Definitely didn't. And he plays like this crazy version of himself where he's like super angry. They back out of a deal with him like both times they see him in the show. Um, and he's like screaming, frothing at the mouth, screaming in a restaurant. He's like, I'll kill you and murder your children. And rah, 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 rah. It's, it doesn't age well. That one didn't age quite so well. And what at the time I'm sure was comedy. Now, when you watch it, you're just kind of like, mm. yeah, well, I'm I mean, sure that's a- it's, it's the context, right? Right. Like, now the Cosby show is awful. Right. <laughs> Um, well, and so also in this show, like, okay, so Ari Gold has an, has a, an assistant who's gay, and while he clearly does love him and appreciate him and, and respect him, he also 
he's 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 quick to anger and the things he says are incredibly hurtful. Uh, but also about 90% of like the, the way they talk about everything is just, is, is, um, uh, homophobic, which, which early two thousands acceptable, silly boys will be boys language. Rewatching it now. I was like, man, they, they're really hammering on the gay stuff. Like, they just they it was a very early two thousands thing. Now that you mentioned that, and it's like, yeah, that really was the way it was back then. Yeah, it definitely was. Like, I mean, they they talk about all kinds. Of, like, I can't think of any specific examples off the top of my head, but there's a lot of like, well, I would even like be... even even like old Eminem. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Now Eminem did did stick to my policy of never apologize because he is a shock artist, comedian, musician, whatever you want to call it. But uh, especially at that time, yeah. but um. Yeah, I like you know, like I'd rather crazy Eminem. I'd rather be burned alive than to know what your penis looks like, like things like that. You're yeah. Like, you're like, like really, like that's that's that big of a deal. Like, you're right there, to, chief. I don't want to be burned at all. Like, <laughs> are those you, you try you try fire? It's pretty awful. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess just let's go with option B. I guess like, um, but yeah, it's kind of interesting. Um, like, what does it doesn't age well at all? Yeah, there's very few, like, I feel like comedy is one of those things where it's like, unless it's incredibly, like, well-written and incredibly funny, like, there's always going to be parts of it where you're like, well, this didn't, this doesn't work nearly as well as it did at the time. Um, I think, I don't know about, I don't know if it's about how well it's written or whatever. I think certain things just. It's a, it's a cultural thing, right? Culture uh, moves. Yeah, probably. Like they're probably trying to be like hyper masculine when they're telling the story in Entourage, but really, a lot of we now know a lot of that kind of behavior is really just kind of cover behavior, right? Like, yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, okay, so the friend uh, Friends is 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 pretty well written. Like, I don't think there's a lot about Friends that is questionable. I have right. heard that people complain about the fact that there's no black people in it, and that is a listen. Six white people in New York is kind of a weird thing. I'm not going to argue that part of it, but as far as the plot and the rest of it, I don't think it's all that. Like, kind of is what it is, right? Yeah. Like, I don't think there's any that question. There's a reason. There's a reason they made six million dollars, a million dollars an episode, and there's nine thousand episodes. Right. Yeah, and and there and it might have you might you might be right that it is just that it's written better. I do think part of it is. Yeah, you know, they just didn't get into certain things. You know what I mean? Like, there's just certain things they just didn't have to bother getting into. Right. And I mean, like, it's all discretion. And again, it's it's a lot. It's a lot to do with with culture and how you know things change. People's opinions change because, like, now it's it's relatively you know, gay people are way more accepted. But you know, the very first NFL openly gay person just came out this year. So, like, how fast is it really changing? <laughs> No, I mean, and you're right. You're right. Like, it's not exactly, you know, blowing up overnight, but it is something that's changing. So, yeah, I, yeah, I suppose it is true. I, I suppose it is true. It's just, it surprised me rewatching the show where I was kind of like, I didn't think I would ever get uncomfortable watching the show, but I was sort of like, man, they're really hammering this. Like, man, they're really going hard on this. On this yeah. On these gay jokes. <laughs> I realized they felt that strongly about it. And and was it and even at the end of the day, like it wasn't that they were really that mad at Lloyd. Like he was always, like he always, anytime him and Lloyd were actually fighting, he would make it up to him. It's obvious he truly cared about him, but it was also obvious how much he 
just really had to rub it in there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, man, like it just doesn't age well. Um, I read an interesting story about another HBO show too. Uh, James Gandolfini. Okay, everyone loves the show The Office. Yeah. Okay. So Sopranos ended, I think, 2002, I think, something somewhere around that time. And no, 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 no. It had to be later than that. I'm going to say 2006. And Steve Carell leaves the office like 2009, 2010. Anyway, James Gandolfini was actually approached by NBC about – taking on the role of, of, of the, of a new boss in the office mm-hmm. and was going to do it. And HBO, HBO was getting so much money from like residuals of Sopranos and things of that nature that they didn't want him to do it. Like, no, you can't come back. So they paid him $3 million. The offer from NBC was $4 million. HBO paid him $3 million to just stay home. That's how you know you've made it, boys. When someone says, I'll pay you to not show up, that's how you know you've made it. That's a, uh, that's a pretty mighty offer. Uh, Ricky Gervais, who, who was the creator of the show, the British version, and I guess he was like a showrunner here on the American version, uh, recently revealed that on the podcast, that James Gandolfini was like signing to, to like in the process of getting ready to do the show when HBO stepped in and killed the deal. He said, you know, it's been great, James. It'd be greater if you just didn't do this. <laughs> and instead I gave you $3 million. Man, I'm, I'm... It's like the, the one business. meme where it's like trade offer. It's like you receive $3 million. We're just, I we're receive just no uh, no no reboot of the office. Yeah. We're just in the wrong business is the problem. That's what you know. We need to become actors so desirable, but not desirable that we get paid to not show up in things. Basically we need to do one beloved role and right. then and never then reprise the studio it. needs to like want to protect that beloved role. Imagine getting paid three million dollars so you don't show up. That's amazing. Crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> That's big opportunity money there. Would you do that? What to not to not yeah. show up? Yeah. Would you take the three mil to not show? Absolutely. You would. Yeah. Oh man, I don't know. Because it because it's a story later, and also I get to do nothing. It is a story later. That's probably the bigger part of it. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's like I was so prolific. That I didn't even show up, and they paid me three million dollars. Yeah, that's that's a that's a better story, right? Because like, it's one thing to be like, yeah, and then I was great, and then I made three million dollars. Because then you got to think about it; he would have been paid for to have people complain about forever about how he wasn't as good as Steve Carell. Oh yeah, for sure. The four means listen: four to do a bunch of work, or three to do no work. Right, like you don't have to go on set. You don't have to. You don't have to be on time. You don't. Have right, to... and and you'd be replacing one, probably one of the most beloved characters of like the past like twenty years of television. Well, I mean that part. There's a lot of people there who like the challenge. I'm more focused on the tedious. Like, 
James Gandolfini probably wasn't scared of replacing Steve Carell because James Gandolfini carried The Sopranos. No, so, it's not. It's not like it's not like he was scared. It's more of the fact that he was he was then going to be eternally compared to. Yeah, but that probably didn't bother him. But I'm just saying. I don't know. It would bother only me. a million dollars for only a million dollars more. All the little stuff, line reads, uh, promo, like showing up to do all the promo photo shoots and all that stuff, like all the behind the scenes extra crap. Yeah, for only one million. Think. Three million to stay home or four million to go means you're doing all the, the crappy stuff for a million dollars. Right, yeah. Then you're like, all right, is it worth it? And the answer is probably no. Yeah, no, and that's probably where you I probably I probably don't do it only because of all the extra stuff you have to do when you go on a show and all that, that I would then be like, nah, I don't wanna I don't wanna I'm not doing that. Right, yeah. Plus it means his legacy can stay and he has absolutely to he has to do absolutely nothing to prolong it. It is. It is true. Almost everything I see him in, I do. I did do pause for a moment and think about, think about the Sopranos. I'm like, yeah, there's Tony Soprano. There he is. There he is, boys. Um, I guess we're kind of up against it. Is that right? Yeah. All right. Uh, on behalf of little brother Nico and myself, the adventure begins. Comics, games, and more. Same nerd thug time. Same nerd thug channel. Um, uh, guys, it kind of looks like you guys gave up on the vaccining with me. Like, what happened? Um, the state of Tennessee is completely given up on it, apparently. Um, please, please, please go get vaccinated. Uh, let's not have to put on our freedom masks again. I'm seeing now clips of people getting the variants, some of whom have even gotten vaccinated. That's because we've let these variants marinate long enough that they're figuring stuff out. Like, let's get our shots, people. It's not complicated. Um, with all that being said, tune in tomorrow at two o'clock. Come hang out with Nerdthug Radio on a Friday afternoon. We'll be here, will you? The Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and More is a wonderful store located right there on 1488 in Conroe that sells comic books, gaming cards, gaming accessories, board games, as well as all kinds of fun nerd-assorted accessories. This is Corey DLG of Nerd Thug Radio, just reminding you, that if you're interested, and if you're bored, if you got some free time, if you wanted to go hang out at an interesting or fun place, the Adventure Begins should be an option you consider. Everything from D&D Adventurers League to miniature painting uh, to even competitive card play and even competitive gaming events. All those things occur at the Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and More. Interested parties should absolutely check out the Facebook page for more information. Hi, this is Kevin Smith, former Dallas Cowboy, Texas A&M Aggie as well. And I want to say what's up to Nerd Thug Radio.